Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. We're going to have a wonderful day. Dr. Glenn Pickering is already in studio, so you know it's going to be a fantastic hour. And then uh, Tom Berkowitz will be joining me in hour two, so that's the day that I have planned. It's going to be a good one. We're going to talk today with Glenn about uh, Merry Christmas, no matter what. We're going to have some great insight to that. And we always uh, want to make it available for you to ask a question to Glenn, if you have one that will pertain to our uh, material that we work on today, which is about uh, maybe things aren't working out the way I had planned for Christmas. And we're going to talk about uh, this many different things that can go wrong and many things that can go right. So we're going to be positive and also cautious. So we're going to take 60 seconds and then we'll bring Glenn on. Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Friends, our share campaign is over, and it's the time of year when we just want to say thank you. We want to say thank you to the living God for bringing you into the Faith Radio family and through you providing for this listener-supported ministry. Indeed, that every single day we might keep bringing relevant Bible preaching, family-focused teaching, and interactive talk programming not only into wherever it is that you're listening, but all around the world through the Faith Radio app and streaming online at MyFaithRadio.com. As one of your hosts, I recognize how important it is for us to be able to every single day communicate the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ into the world that's literally dying to know him. So thank you for being a part of the change that God is bringing in the world through the gospel, through the ministry of My Faith Radio. Again, visit us online at MyFaithRadio.com. Call or text us anytime at 877-933-2484. And at this year end, thank you. Welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you're having a great day. It is uh, getting awfully close to Christmas, and we're getting awfully excited around here. And I know there's lots of planning to do, and maybe some of you have got some mild anxiety about uh, Christmas and being with family and relatives. Maybe uh, you are stressed, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today with Dr. Glenn Pickering. You know him as a regular guest on the show and he is here in studio with me. He's written a, a book that is just a favorite of mine called Playing Tag, the world's most common game. And if uh, if you've not picked up a copy of that, uh, you'd be happy to have a copy. And you can go to glennpickering.com, which is his website, and that's Glenn with two N's. And I also want to say a special hello to a listener named Zoe today. Glenn, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Christmas time, here we go. And uh, let's say Merry Christmas no matter what. (laughs) We know what brings us joy. We just do, but we also know what keeps that joy from being everything that it could be. So I want to talk about some of the things that uh, perhaps get in the way of our having as much joy and as much fun at Christmas as we could have and some ways to deal with that so we can go back to focusing on what's real and good and loving about Christmas. All right, so maybe things uh, don't work out the way I had planned, and that's a problem. Yes. One of my favorite old authors, her last name is Waititz, she wrote a book about coming out of codependency, and one of the chapters in her book was called Merry Christmas and Other Disasters. 
<laughs> which I love that title. <laughs> and she talks about how she would have so elaborate plans when people are coming over for a holiday, Christmas, whatever, and it would be so upsetting to her if things didn't go exactly the way she planned them, even if they were going great. And people were clearly having fun, but she'd be, like, really upset because this isn't the way I had it planned. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I just think that really is a mindset that can get in the way of Christmas being what it should be. So mm-hmm. I just want to talk to people a little bit about that to start with, if that's okay with you. I'd love to. Okay, Let's start cool. there. All right. So sometimes people say, well, what if things don't go exactly the way I planned? And I think, of course they won't. What does? I mean, it's just really important to understand. To even ask myself that question, what if they don't go the way I have planned, is silly. Of course they will not. Back when I was a youth pastor, if I was organizing a you know, big sledding event for the junior high youth group, you know, we planned it ahead of time. We'd let people know what they needed. We'd get people to sign consent slips. We'd get people to chaperone it. So we'd do everything ahead of time that we could do. And then on that day, somebody's going to show up without mittens, and we're going to need to decide what to do about that. And one of the chaperones is going to be sick and is not going to be able to drive. And I always thought about doing youth ministry as being like you need um, sort of overall structure and short-term flexibility. So long-term structure, we've got to kind of have a plan. But then when it actually happens, you're going to have to kind of go with whatever actually happens. And that used to just be my theory for doing youth ministry. But now I think, no, that's life. We can have an overall plan, and that's good. Mm-hmm. But then stuff's going to happen, and we're going to have to kind of adjust it on the fly as we go along, and it turns out life is one big science experiment. <laughs> so, <laughs> so true. So so I just think it's important to think, yeah, we have an overall plan, and that's great, and um, and some things will go differently. I, uh, at our ordination service years ago when I was ordained, um, the bishop said this really cool thing. He said, back when I was uh, you know, a church pastor, I would do weddings, And I would always talk to the couple before the ceremony, and I'd say basically this. A lot of the things we plan today are going to go pretty much the way we planned. And some things won't. And at the end of the day, you'll still be married. (laughs) (laughs) So he said, so part of the service today will go well, and part of it will go not quite the way we thought. And, you know, at the end of that time, you're still going to be ordained. (laughs) So it's just I just think there's a a rule for life in there, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, have an overall plan. That's good. But then just know, and you're going to have to flex with that plan. And that doesn't mean it's going badly or there's something wrong or you should be scared. It just means, yes, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. All right. But what about little things like, I don't know, the stove stop wor- stops working, so you got to warm up the meat with a Bic lighter? Uh-huh. That doesn't work. Well, the uh, furnace just went out of my house yesterday, so. Fun. <laughs> <I> was <laughs> went out. I didn't plan that. No. <laughs> it just kaput? Right, and then you got to figure out what to do, right? Right. I mean, that's life. You have sort of an overall plan, and then stuff happens, and you got to figure out what to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> and what did you do? Um, I, we're looking for a new house. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the heck with it. I'm leaving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just like making Rebecca laugh. All right. So, um, so what I'm thinking is two thoughts. You know, you were talking before the show about that sometimes we get certain thoughts in our head. And one of the thoughts some people get growing up is that if I'm not in control, things are going to go really badly. Mm-hmm. And let's say I grew up in a chaotic house or an alcoholic house or a house where there's really a lot of loud fighting, and I feel like it's my job to get people to stop or I'm the peacemaker or whatever. If I grew up with that belief, if I'm not in control, it's going to be really bad. And I have that belief, well, see, I'm going to plan Christmas, and I'm going to think if anything doesn't go the way I have planned, that's really bad. And so it's just important, even ahead of time, to just think instead, well, of course things will be different. 
instead of thinking, oh, what if, which is a very scary thought, it's important to think, well, of course, things will go differently, and you know what, I will figure that out. Because I think that whole fear is based on, if I'm not in control, then something will happen, and I won't know what to do. But I just want to say to all of you who are listening, of course you will. The same person who planned that party, who knows all the people who are coming to that party, will figure out what to do. Because you're smart. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty simple. Yeah, and you will figure that out. Now, and and the way to best break out of that, how can I say? When we get anxious, we're doing two things. We're too focused on ourselves, and we're too focused on the outcome. Like, how am I doing, and are things going the way I expected them to? But I think, see, if I really want to break out of that, then I focus on the people who are coming, and want to make sure that I'm welcoming or loving or caring to them so that they feel welcome or cared for. And I just think, if I have the elaborate plan, of course that's not going to work out. But if my plan is, I want to pay attention to other people, I want to be caring, I want to let people know how glad I am to see them, that plan always works. So it's good to have an overall plan, but then instead of a real specific plan, it's best to just think, okay, so the overall plan is already in place. People know where they're going or what time they're supposed to be here, etc. So from now on, the only rest of my plan is to be as welcoming to people when they come as I possibly can. And that plan really can't go too wrong, can That's it? That's what I mean. You really can't go wrong with that plan. I mean, you can get a response you don't like. Right. But that you can't control that. You can't control. And really, if I'm just focused on I'm going to be as loving and as caring and as welcoming as I can, I'm just going to let every person know how truly glad I am to see them. Even if I get a sarcastic response from them, I can still be having a great day. Because I'm focused on, I just want to be a loving force. I, you know, this is a celebration of Jesus' birth, about literally love coming into the world. So if I really want to celebrate that with people who are coming to my house, my only real job is to be loving and help people to remember, oh, yeah, I am precious to you and to the Lord. And it's just a powerful way to focus and help me get past my worry about, oh, what if things don't go exactly the way I had them planned? Mm-hmm. Well, these uh, holidays, like, Thanksgiving and right. Christmas. I mean, everyone's senses are operating at a pretty high level. They right. have history. Yep. They have experiences from the past that right. they're still remembering, thinking about, anticipating. Right. Maybe we'll talk about that um, after a short break. Okay. Uh, Dr. Glenn Pickering is in studio. Let us know if you have a question or you'd like some clarification on something you've heard or you'd like to ask Glenn something, Eight seven seven nine three three. 2484 again 8779332484 that's a text line only we do not have someone in the call uh, center right now but uh, we'd be happy to take your text we'll be back in 90 seconds I love it. That's yeah, right. Uh-huh. Makes me laugh. I love the Beatles. I love the Beatles. <laughs> Dr. Glenn Pickering is in the studio. We're talking about Merry Christmas no matter what. And there's always going to be obstacles and things that we will be anticipating. Right. And what about when a relative gets drunk, loud, and obnoxious? <laughs> Which can happen. Which not can happen. My, not in my family, of course, but you know, mm-hmm. you've heard about it. Other though. people, yeah, I've yeah. heard that this could happen. You've read stories. Other places, <laughs> yes. And I think, um, you know, we were saying before the break about how. 
if people think, well, Glenn, what if things don't go the way I have planned? Then I think, well, instead of thinking, what if they don't, which is a very anxious thought, mm-hmm. to just think, well, of course they're not. And I will just figure that out as we go along is a way more comforting thought and a way more empowering thought. I want you to notice how the first thought's really fearful yeah. and makes me feel sort of small and scared. But the second thought, well, of course, some things will go differently and we'll just figure that out is a way stronger thought and a way more powerful thought. Not, not in the world way, like power over others, but more like in a biblical way, like, like I have the power to run my life with God's help mm-hmm. and I'm going to do that. So same thing, if there's somebody coming to your family who you um, expect might behave in certain ways that might not make the party very fun, I think it's important to instead of thinking, well, what if that happens, to think, no, what will I do when that happens? Again, going from being that sort of powerless place to a more empowered place, like I have a plan. Mm-hmm. Now, um, and hmm, how can I say and even if what you're going to do is different than what you would have done in the past, I just really encourage you to have faith, be bold, and do that thing. You know, Jesus talks about how you can't put new wine in old wineskins. And I think, right, we really are called to keep learning and growing to become our more and more best self. And so that means I'm going to be doing behaviors that are new for me or different for me or out of my usual way of doing things. And as you're sort of praying about Uncle Joe or whoever that is in your family mm-hmm. and thinking, okay, well, how could I handle that situation in a way that was loving but also pretty direct? What would that look like? And just be a prayer and see what kind of what words or images that God puts on your heart. And because um, even if it's a little out of your comfort zone, it's, you know, Paul talking to Timothy, it says, you know, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but rather a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. And I just think... We really have to make a point of claiming the power that we have in Christ. We can handle that differently if we want to. With God's help, we can pretty much do anything, like Paul says. We can do all things in him who strengthens me. And I just think, so we need to believe in ourselves. We could do that differently. So that takes me out of the powerless, what if this happens, to a powerful, now I'm going to have a plan for that. And then to that place, and I can do that plan. I can literally see myself doing it that way. And I just think it's so important to be in that sort of mindset because that's a way more godly mindset. So, Glenn, it sounds like you then are in a position to have a response than a typical reaction. Thank you. Thank you. I always talk to people about making decisions instead of reactions. Mm-hmm. And this, you'll be right. This would be a perfect example of that. Because mm-hmm. they have a tendency, if there's a person who drains energy from right. yep. the room... Right. Um, on holidays and people start to do the eye rolls and here we go right, right. with the, the, the political rant or the joke that I wish they wouldn't have said right. um, or some um, overindulgence in food or beverage that right. makes it um, unpleasant. Right. Yeah. So how do we, I mean, I love your strategy. I'm just wondering, is there anything in addition to that? Can you set up a healthy boundary that oh, says, sure. I think the odds of this happening are now less? I mean... Basically, we're on Christian radio saying, well, how much alcohol is flowing around the house on Christmas? You yeah, know? Right. I mean, maybe it can be something that stays in the cupboards. Right. So you can decide that if you want. Um, you can also decide, hmm, there are very likely to be at least a few people in that family that have the same thoughts that you do. Mm-hmm. So part of your plan might be, how, not how am I going to handle it, how are we going to handle it? So, you know, if Uncle Joe starts doing one of those rants or who knows what, 
two or three people might think, well, we're just going to sit down and we're going to talk to them and we're just going to start a different conversation with them. And that's kind of what we're going to do. We're just going to start a different loving conversation with them. So if we see that come up, that's kind of our plan. Mm-hmm. So instead of being worried, you got a plan and it's a loving plan. Like you're just going to help them have a different conversation with you instead of the same old, really incredibly bad story that he likes to tell 14 times. So, I mean, just as an example of a plan, it's not, it's not extreme. It's just different than what you would usually do. And it's more proactive. But I love what you said about the eye roll, because sometimes the best plan is to think, I'm just going to accept them as they are. Because often, oftentimes, if somebody is having too much to drink or too much to eat or who knows what, and the eye rolls start, et cetera, et cetera, we think, well, we're just reacting to what they're doing. But we need to understand, no, we have a choice about that. We can either kind of look at each other and get all sort of self-righteous and judging in our minds together, because they are the problem. But we need to understand at that moment when we're all looking at each other and being judgmental and critical of that person, we are the problem. We need to understand this is not a Christ-like way to deal with that or even think about it. And that it's entirely possible that perhaps it's simply our job to quit judging anybody else and to really think carefully about, am I actually part of that problem? Because sometimes a person maybe tells a joke or drinks too much or who knows what, um, and it's obnoxious or annoying. But see, if we're not careful, we quit seeing that person as a person. And we start seeing them as a problem, which is a very ungodly way to be thinking about somebody. It reduces them to an object or a problem instead of a person. Whereas instead of two or three of us decide, well, if that happens, we're just going to sit down, we're going to lovingly talk to them and start a different conversation with them. See, A, that's based on acceptance. And it's really helping see that person as a person instead of just a problem that needs to be solved. And I think as soon as I see somebody as a problem to be solved and not a person, I'm on a really, really not biblical track. Mm-hmm. What about when you get like a difficult announcement? I've got family together, so mm-hmm. now I'm just going to blurt out, I'm not going to church anymore. As a matter of fact, I don't think I believe in God anymore. Because <laughs> it happens, Glenn. I'm, 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 only, laughing. I'm only laughing because I know it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes people do... They have this big thing, and they're really awkward, and they don't know how to tell it to people, and maybe they've had one drink too many, so they say things they wouldn't say otherwise. And so suddenly there's a conversation happening that um, is incredibly uncomfortable. But see, again, if I just think ahead of time, I'm going to treat them like a person, not a problem. And somebody blurts out, I didn't even go to church anymore. And I'm really, I have a plan ahead of time. I say things like, oh, really? How come? And your blood pressure is down, yeah. right? So I, I mean, don't have to up, get, but oh, you're not showing it up. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't have to get riled. I just think, yeah. oh, really? What What makes you say that? Yeah. Because here's the thing: disarming them a little. Yeah, disarming. Yeah. Because see, they actually have a story to tell. They're not doing it very well, and they're doing it in a way that makes the rest of us uncomfortable. But if I can actually help them tell their story, like maybe I'm going to find out that they just had a really bad experience at church, or that they felt sort of betrayed by somebody who was one of their Christian brothers, or who knows what. But there's a story behind that somewhere. If I don't get all caught up in the drama and the oh no or the judgment and instead just think, hmm, how come? We're going to suddenly have a, a conversation that's about 10 decibels quieter, mm-hmm. way more personal, and we're going to hear something that's actually real. And we might all walk out of that feeling way closer to that person. Like, oh, I didn't know that about you. So I just think we need to start by well, just thinking every single person there is exactly as precious to God as I am. And I want to treat them like that's true. So you can prepare 
your your mood and your spirit yep. prayerfully yep. in advance. Yes. If you're anticipating something like this, right, which could change the whole direction of the evening, right, to become way more loving and way more back to the celebration we're supposed to be having about how much God loves each and every one of us. So I just want to make sure that my behavior, as much as possible, is consistent with what it is that we're celebrating. Mm-hmm. So it's a step of maturity, maybe? I think for because sure. Because there would mm-hmm. be a lot of plans and details getting ready for an event, and you're working really hard, and hours right. are squeezed in, right. and all of a sudden somebody shows up and does something. <laughs> is your heart prepared? Right. That's, exactly. that's the million-dollar question, I, I suppose. I think that's right. And sometimes people will say, well, Glenn, I don't know exactly what somebody else is going to do. And I think, right. See, it's not, it's not about being prepared for what they're going to do. It's about being prepared for who I want to be. And if I go and think I want to be loving, I want to be gentle, I want to be welcoming, I want to treat everybody here like they're sacred to our Lord. Okay. That but, might involve suspending your history with the uh, person. It just might. And that's actually, hard to do. I know. And actually seeing them as a person, but actually kind of gets to our next topic about what if there are people that I don't get along with or that I really, really like, but I never told them. And mm-hmm. that could be a great next topic if you're ready to launch into that one. Well, I think I Well, I am. I've got uh, two minutes before we go to a hard break. Okay. But uh, let's just try to frame this a little bit, okay. uh, Glenn. So there's maybe a person at the event, the party, the gathering, Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend of a family member that you just simply don't seem to get along with. Right. And, you know, even if only one out of 20 people are people who I really, really, really dislike, well, what are the odds that there are going to be 20 people at that party? And what are the odds there that one of them will be <laughs> one of those people that I find hard to like? Mm-hmm. So, again, people say, well, what if? And I think, well, instead of thinking, what if, what if you just think, well, of course that will happen? Again, not harshly, not judgmentally, just, well, of course it will. And then not act surprised that it is happening. Yeah, so it doesn't take but you by you, surprise or by right. shock, like, oh, my gosh. It's like, well, I never saw course. this coming. Right, exactly. Yeah. When the truth is, you could probably have seen it coming from about a mile away. Yeah. So then the question is, are you going to just let it happen to you and give your usual on-thought-out reaction, or are you going to give it some prayerful thought ahead of time so that you can bring your best self to that situation instead of the old reactive self that you used to bring to that same situation. Mm-hmm. I love that concept of bringing your best self right. to the situation. Right. How often do we think about that? Am I bringing my best self? Mm-hmm. That's a good thought, Glenn. Cool. Yeah. All right, we're going to uh, take a little break. We are talking about uh, Merry Christmas no matter what. And there's going <laughs> to be things that will complicate your holiday, and maybe there are people that are challenging to you. And maybe there's a person in your gathering, in your group that you're just struggling with. And we're going to talk about that when we come back from the break. If you have a question for Glenn, or maybe you've had that experience yourself where somebody blurted something out that just blew up the event and you just want to process it with us, that'd be Glenn. Uh, Give us a text, 877-933-2484. 877-933-2484. You can also go to Glenn's website, that's glennpickering.com. That's Glenn with two N's. G-L-E-N-N-P-I-C-K-E-R-I-N-G. That's a lovely offer about midway down the front page of his uh, website that offers a free 20-minute consultation. You click the button and you get an opportunity to talk to Glenn for 20 minutes. We'll take a short break and be right back.
Dr. Glenn Pickering in studio. We're talking about Christmas coming up and just being ready and being ready spiritually, emotionally. And Glenn, why, let's just maybe go back to why is it so important to prepare ahead of time? Well, there's an interesting study a couple of years ago now that just confirmed so much of what I see in my everyday counseling practice. And it's like this. What they found out is that when we have adrenaline coursing through our system, the blood flow to our prefrontal cortex pretty much stops. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a fancy way of saying when we get all worked up about something, we stop thinking. Now, this makes a certain amount of sense to If you think about it back in the olden days when we're, you know, living way closer to the earth, if I'm being chased by a tiger, I'm not thinking to myself, hmm, I've heard there's an Asian saber-toothed tiger and an African saber-toothed tiger. The Asian one has one more tooth. I wonder, well, which kind is this exactly? Right? I don't get time for that. I want every bit of blood flow in my body and every bit of energy in my body to either be going to my muscles or to the part of my brain that controls my muscles. Mm-hmm. Now, later on when I'm safely in a tree looking down and I stop shaking, I will have all kinds of things to say about that. <laughs> my brain will kick back in a really high gear. But while that adrenaline is coursing through me, I literally am not really thinking. My body is just getting ready to either fight or to kill somebody, basically. Mm-hmm. Now, so it's important to understand, if I don't have a plan ahead of time, but I wait until the crisis happens and then try and figure out what to do. Well, see, that's the time when my brain is working least effectively. I got that adrenaline coursing through me. I'm not really thinking as clearly as I can. Whereas if I think ahead of time, like, okay, this family often gets in a fight with that one, or these two people often end up having a struggle, or Uncle Joe often says something inappropriate. And I just start prayerfully thinking, what are all the ways that we could handle that differently? I promise I'll come up with three or four or five or even six different ways of doing that that we've never done before. And it won't even be all that hard. God will be totally helpful to you. I promise you lots of good ideas will come to you when you ask that loving question. None of those would I be able to generate at that moment because my brain literally is not thinking. My brain is just getting me ready to run somewhere. So that's why people say, hey, there's a big fight, so we left. Right. Because because literally that's the only thing your body knows how to do once it has that much adrenaline in it. So it's important to think, okay, if I'm really going to use my freedom in Christ, and I am a real big believer in doing that, I need to use it before that crisis happens. That's what, before break time, I was talking about really thinking about being my best self and choosing ahead of time. That's who I want to be, being prayed up before I get there about wanting to be my best self, even maybe having thought through with other people and with God some better ways of handling Uncle Joe or whoever, more loving ways. Then when stuff happens, my brain, instead of now I have to think with my brain that's not working as well as it usually does, I will have already thought through some good possibilities, and I will at least have several possibilities sort of at my fingertips that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So it's so helpful because people say, well, I shouldn't get trapped in that reaction. I should use my freedom in Christ. And I think, yeah, you have freedom in Christ for sure, and I strongly urge you to use it. Um, but we're not going to be very good at it when we have adrenaline running through our system. We go into a reactive mode, and we're really not using our freedom at all. So let's talk about showing up as the person you want to be. Right. I love that thought. I love that thought, too. It's Um, a big one. So let's say there's a person in your family either you don't get along with or maybe that you really love but never really told them how important they are to you. So I'll start with the first one first. Maybe there's somebody you kind of don't get along with. 
people will say, well, you know, you need to forgive them. And there's some truth to that, of course. Well, not some truth. Of course it's true. It's not helpful to keep carrying around all that bitterness and baggage with me. It just weighs me down. So it's important to forgive them and just think, you know what? I'm just going to love them the way they are. But that really just gets me from unhappy sort of to zero, if that makes any sense. I'm still not going to be loving or welcoming when I see them. I'm just going to be sort of flat instead of crabby. Well, the Bible actually urges us to take it one step further. In 1 Peter 3.8, Peter talks about how um, it's important to bless those in our life, even those who have perhaps been hurtful to us in the past. And so I do want to work before I ever go to the event at forgiveness, at asking God to help me forgive them. And then again, I want to start having a picture in my mind with God's help of being the person I want to be when I see them, of being welcoming to them, of asking how they're doing, of letting them know I'm glad they're there. So I, I'm not, I don't just drop my grudge. I actually try to be a positive force for good in that gathering, partly because it will make the gathering more fun, but partly, see, this is, this is God doing a work on us. I always think, hmm, I say to my clients all the time, if I'm in a relationship struggle with, you know, John, and I pray to God, I say, God, help, you know, I really ask your guidance in really changing this relationship with John. God's going to say, great, Glenn. I'm going to start with you, of course. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is why Jesus said, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye? Don't right. see the log in your own eye. Like, if there's a struggle, that's okay. But please understand, Glenn, we're going to start with you. So that you can, that means I need to literally let God change my heart before I get to that gathering. I need to let God help me forgive that person, remember that they're precious to the Lord exactly to the degree I am, and that I'm really called to love them exactly as I would want God to love me, and that anything less is really me kind of giving up on my best self. So when I say this is God doing a work on us, we need to understand, yes, I want to repair that relationship because that relationship is worth repairing. But it's also important to understand that work that I'm doing about forgiving, letting go, blessing others, learning to be gracious, even in the face of conflicts, he makes me better, makes me stronger, makes me deeper, makes me more mature, takes me forward in my faith. So even if people say, well, Glenn, what if they're not open to it? I'm like, yeah, but see, if you really get that God's doing a work in you, it almost doesn't matter whether they're open to it or not. If you do your part, God's going to say to you at the end of the day, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, but they weren't open. They didn't respond right. Well done, good and faithful servant. I gave you a task. I asked you to get out of your comfort zone, do something for me, and you did it. Great. And they may respond great. They may respond poorly. They might respond poorly at first, but then great later, which is why Jesus tells a story about the sower. You mm-hmm. know, someone's good ground, some falls on the rocky ground, it grows at first and not after a while, blah, blah, blah. And everybody wants to make that the parable of the dirt. Well, I want to be the good soil. We need to understand, it's a parable of the sower. Some stuff you do is going to work great mm-hmm. at first. Some stuff's going to look like it doesn't work and then work great in the end. Some's never going to work at all. And some of them are going to seem like it's working and then actually end up being an even bigger miracle than you thought. Mm-hmm. But that's not your concern. Your concern is to keep sowing because it's the parable of the sower. So... God's going to keep asking me to be loving, to forgive, to let go, to reach out, to bless other people, to be my best self. And some of that will respond, some of that will end up in a great harvest, and some won't, but it really doesn't matter because tomorrow my job's going to be the same job. Mm-hmm. All right, here's a question that came in, Glenn, yeah, from great. a listener. Um, Glenn, at our family gathering, there will be a 16-year-old niece 
who was wanting us to refer to her as him. She was adamant at Thanksgiving, and I expect the same at Christmas. She's in an arts high school where several girls are doing this uh, and has been in and out of the hospital for suicidal talk. So naturally, naturally we want to be gentle with her. I tend to refer to her as darling or honey, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't work with pronouns all the time in normal conversations. This is breaking the hearts of her parents and extended family, but many are playing along, not wanting to offend her, him trying to love her it's so difficult any ideas yeah quit it no i'm just kidding <laughs> I, um what i think is this if i have a friend whose nickname is scotty and he gets to be 35 years old and decides he's ready to quit being called scotty and he wants to be called scott right those of us who have known him all his life as scotty are either going to think oh sure if that's what you want it's your name or we can get all judgmental well i know you as scotty i'm going to keep calling you that now which is more loving I'm going to call him Scott if that's what he asked for. So if I have a child in my life who says, please refer to me in this way, I'm going to say, okay. Now, notice, that doesn't mean I agree. That doesn't even mean I think it's a good idea. Nobody's asking me if I think that's a good idea. They're asking me, please call me this. I'm going to say, all right, because here's what I know. Only my friends can actually change my life. People who are judgmental don't ever which is why Paul says over and over again, you know, Romans 12, for example, why do you judge your brother? Why do you put a stumbling block in their path? See, if I judge somebody, then they have to get all defensive, they have to convince themselves they're right, and my judgment will actually make them less open to transformation down the road because they're now more hardened in their position. And Paul really understood this perfectly, and God understands it too. So God always starts by accepting us exactly as we are and then encouraging us to become our better and better and better self. So if we want to have a godly relationship with anybody, we're going to start with accepting them as they are, period. And so that's why Jesus could eat with the sinners and the tax collectors and the prostitutes, because he understood, if I want you to help you change your life, I'm not going to do it by judging you or shunning you or getting rid of you. I'm going to do it by accepting you as you are. And in that sense of being accepted as you are, you're going to feel so cared for, you will want then to become your absolute best self. That's how God works on all of us. So I think any response that doesn't start with love and acceptance will be, I promise you, will have exactly the opposite results of anything you're thinking of. All right. That sounds um, interesting, Glenn, and a little challenging as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you've got a, a 81, a 72, nine pound niece right. that says, yep. uh, you know, with an eating disorder right. that should be hospitalized for anorexia. And she right. says, you know, I'm so fat. And what do you, do you agree with her? No, I don't agree with her. I say, um, hmm, I'm sad to hear that you think that. Because I'm not judging them. I'm not even telling them they shouldn't think that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, I'm sad to hear that you think that. Could you apply that to the, the niece who thinks she's a guy I'm, I'm gonna say if I'm if I have a relationship with her where there's a loving connection not just a superficial one I'm gonna say huh I mean I would call you whatever you want but it sounds to me like you're kind of confused but like how can I help you with that mm-hmm we don't want to be uh, isn't denying the truth a problem exactly that's what I'm thinking too how is that helpful yeah. and basically what they're really saying is I'm really really struggling with this identity thing hmm and I'm gonna start by accepting oh I get it I see that that one's hard for you Tell me about that struggle. 
at this point, they will actually start telling me the truth, and I'm going to hear something, and I'm probably going to be a way in there that I can be helpful. Mm-hmm. If I just say, well, you shouldn't think that. Well, let's be honest. That conversation just ended, and any help I might have been to them just stopped. Is part of this, Glenn, uh, just re- rebellion? Well, it depends. That's part of why I'm going to start with acceptance, because I just think, hmm. One of my dear friends, when our daughter Rachel was like 16, said to me, it seems like Rachel never went through that adolescent rebellion phase. And I just sort of smiled, but I thought to myself, rebel against what? See, if you feel like your opinion matters, and people listen to you, not roll over and play dead, but do listen to you and take consideration of what you say, and you feel like you're included in the plan, you don't have to rebel against the man, you are the man. (laughs) I mean, I mean, So it's the same thing with any kid who's doing that rebellion thing. I'm going to start with accepting them, thinking, I get it. You're my brother and sister in Christ, just like everybody else. And if there's any way I can be helpful to you, I would want to be helpful. Mm -hmm. So maybe acceptance means openness? Yeah, it means openness and being willing to be a sounding board for them because I always think kids need somebody in their life who's been further ahead on the path than they are. And if the people that they would want to use as their sounding board who could kind of help them sort things out, get all judgmental of them so they don't feel like it's safe to talk to them, then their best sounding board and their best chance of actually sorting this thing out just went out the window. And I think it's important to understand. It's not my role to judge. It's my role to be helpful. And I need to just always be asking myself, what's the most loving or helpful thing I could do? Mm-hmm. Which is not going to be my knee-jerk reaction. I can promise you that. Yeah, for sure. Dr. Glenn Pickering is in studio. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to talk about maybe you're so busy you don't have the time to get in the spirit of Christmas. We're going to address that when we (laughs) return. We'll be back in 90 seconds. to the show. Dr. Glenn Pickering is with me today. We are chatting about uh, Merry Christmas no matter what. Let's make sure we take ourselves and get ourselves in the right place so we can bring our very best self to our celebrations and know that uh, we're celebrating the birth of our Savior and that if we have difficult relationships, it's going to be well uh, for us to prepare emotionally so we can be responders, not reactors. But but Glenn, let's get to uh, point four here. Um, talking uh, just about you're so busy that I really haven't had time to focus on Luke 2 or right. uh, I haven't turned on any sacred hymns that I love so much and I'm just not there. Right. Too busy. Yeah, right. And I totally get that. Um, and here's what I always think. I just did a seminar this last weekend called Breaking Free and I, it was so fun. And one of the things I talked with people about is that if I'm stuck, God has two things to say to me. Glenn, I understand it. I totally get it. I have, I, I have empathy for you that you're stuck. And I insist that you not stay there. Because like, our God is a loving God and a transformational God. So if somebody says to me, Glenn, I'm so busy, I haven't even had time to get in the spirit of Christmas. 
See, what they're saying is, and I'm not going to. That's the part I want to talk about. So, but I want to do the same thing I believe God would do, which is to be understanding and challenging. That's their shot across the bow to you? Sort of. I'm not getting in the spirit. Yeah. And so I want to say something about, yep, I totally get it. There are a lot of ways to get busy around Christmas. It can be really hard. We can lose sight of the whole point of it, right? And at any given moment that I want to, that I choose to, I can do what I call stop, drop, and pray. And even if somebody's listening to this podcast, literally on the way over to their family's house on Christmas Day, I want to say to you, you still have the option right now of taking a moment, being grateful for the God who loves you, for the Savior who came into this world to save you, for all the blessings that you've had in your life and all the ways God has really touched you and how the gifts that you've given at Christmas are just a symbol of the gift that God gave us and his son. And I can take just two minutes to be gratefully prayerful about that and I will be in the spirit of Christmas. So it's important to understand, yes, you're stuck and I get that. We all get stuck at some point, um, lots of different ways. And it's really important not to stay there. So it's important not to use that as an excuse to just think, hey, starting today, even if it's three times today for two minutes, I would encourage all of you listeners to just think, you can do this. Three times, sometime today, you can take two minutes and just be gratefully prayerful that the God who adores you sent his son of the world literally to save your life. And how cool that is. And how cool it is that we all take time to stop, quit working, give each other presents, just to remind ourselves about the gift that was given to us. And how coolly, powerfully great that actually is. Mm-hmm. And that we're getting together with a group of people to celebrate that that's what happened. Glenn, what if there is a family in the big gathering that says, right. or, th- or thinks, I want to start a new tradition that doesn't include what we're doing tonight? Like, give me an example. Well, like maybe there's a, a small family that wants to start their own tradition. They don't mm-hmm. want to be coming to the gathering they've always come to. Right. When's a good time to talk about that? Never? <laughs> well, that would be my family's way. Um, <laughs> but what I think about is this. I, I know when Gwen and I got married and had our little daughter, we, I mean, it's like, yeah, we still want to very much celebrate with our extended family. They're still super important to us. But we also now have this own little sacred family of our own, and we want to find some way to actually celebrate that too. And I think... I just really would encourage people to not get too black and white about it. To not like, well, I want to do this now instead of that. It's important to think, okay, what's a way to honor this and that? Because I just think in all of life, we can so easily get pulled into that very human, either or sort of thinking. And it's important instead to think, okay, what if our little family is important and the extended family are important? And if we really believe that they both mattered, what would we do? And I'm not saying I know the solution. I just know it's the right question. Because that question, prayerfully asked, will bring lots of thoughts and pictures and images to our mind. And we're going to suddenly realize, oh, there's actually quite a few ways to do that. So it's about really being open to the fact that that's true. What happens, Glenn, when you're in a place where you you are finding yourself with a a new frontier? You've been displaced. Your spouse has died. Your, your, Your daughters have all of a sudden said to you... Mm, I don't, I don't like you anymore, and you're not going to see the grandkids anymore. Mm. I had a listener share that with me uh, this week. Right, daughters are atheists. She's a believer. Right, and her heart's broken. Right, and I think that is incredibly sad. Like, literally heartbreakingly sad. 
and um, I think over and over again that when I'm really sad and I turn to God in my sadness, that what I notice is that God doesn't exactly fix the thing I'm sad about, but he lets me know that I'm cared for, that I'm not alone, that my sadness makes sense, that it's really deep and right that I would feel sad and grieving about that, and that eventually I'm going to come out of that. And, and so I just think to anybody who's going through that grieving kind of time, I want to think, yeah, that is sad. And I don't want you to run from that sadness. I want you to embrace that because it's holy. I mean, if there's something sacred that happened that's no longer happening, grieving that is the right response from a godly perspective. But it's also important to remember, and God is with me, and lots of people still care for me, and I will come through this at some point. And I want to turn to those people especially and let them know that I'm really needing a lot of love and support right now. So they reach out to me, and they call me, and they come and visit me so that they can be on my team at a time when I really need to let them be on my team because none of us get through that by ourselves. I can promise you that. Mm-hmm. Is holidays that time, Glenn, where life feels like a big magnifying glass has been put on their life? <laughs> There's a and, lot of truth to that, I think. You're uh, starting to see the pores on your nose going, whoa. Well, especially <laughs> if, um, if, if you're really serious about your faith life and about growing as a person and as a Christian, so you're really working on your stuff mm-hmm. in whatever way God has you working on that. A lot of times when you go home to your original family, you see all those old behaviors and two things happen. One, there's a tendency to get pulled back on those old behaviors. Two, if you're not careful, you will start judging those behaviors because you yourself are now at a different place. And it's important to remember, neither of those are helpful to you. Your best self would just keep on showing up as your best self. Mm -hmm. And the people who think, well, that's interesting, how do you do that? will be open to hearing about what you're learning and how your life is changing and how God is helpful to you in that process. Might be a really powerful conversation, and how cool to have that conversation at Christmas. Mm -hmm. So it's important to just keep showing up as your best self. And let's say you want to introduce a a different way of doing something. You want to break a tradition or you want to uh, introduce an opportunity which might give family members to interact more meaningfully. Mm-hmm. And we usually don't do that because we're right. laughing and everyone's loud and, right. you know, how, how would you best do that and not become an outcast quickly? <laughs> well, last Christmas you'll ever be invited to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. See, yeah. I think that, that one actually, we're kind of struggling with that one ourselves this year. So it's actually a really poignant question for me. And the more I think about it, the more I keep thinking, okay, I could tell people I'm doing this to them, or I could talk to as many people ahead of time as I can about this idea and how I think it might be kind of helpful so they have a chance to not be blindsided by it, but give us some mm. prayerful thoughts themselves so they can also show up as their best self. So I don't want people to feel like I'm doing something to them. I want them to feel like we're doing something different together. And if we're going to do something different, it really is my job to help them understand here's my thinking about that. Because I don't like being surprised at Christmas and neither does anybody else. That's a great point. So maybe if you want to say, let's talk about uh, two things maybe from our our life that exactly. this year that were really, uh, that God showed us something mm-hmm. right. new and right. fresh. Right. And and if you feel like you're on the spot, maybe you panic and you go, ah, I don't right. want to do this. Right. So, But if but if we send you a little email where we invite everybody to say, hey, and one thing we're hoping to do, take a little time, talk about a couple of ways what God has touched our life this year. So A, they have a couple, they have a chance to actually think about what that would be, but also to feel like then they don't get blindsided when it happens. 
And I just think it's about 100 times more likely to go well. Well, it's always nice to have you in studio. And I look for, I was looking forward to getting a chance to have uh, you on the show before the new year uh, happens. So thanks right. so much for making time to come over today. Yeah. And Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thanks. It's always a joy to be here, truly. Yeah. And Glenn's website is Glenn Pickering. It's two N's, G-L-E-N-N. P-I-C-K-E-R-I-N-G dot com. That's the website. He has this lovely offer about midway down through the page that says, hey, would you like a uh, free 20-minute consultation? Click that button and you can email him your name and then he'll figure out a time where you two can chat. And that's all uh, compliments of Glenn. And There's also a free ebook on that site. There's a free ebook there as well called Yes, You Can. Stop playing tag and start being happy. That sounds good to me. All right. Yeah. And uh, so that, Glenn, wraps up our time together. Thank you very much for being here. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a little break. We come back. Tom Berkowitz is uh, out in the green room. He looks like he is uh, ready to come in. We're going to enjoy our next hour with uh, Tom. So we'll take a short break and be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.